Chapter 9. Doorstops. Commences with a quote. When a person prospers, either God gains a partner or the person loses their soul. I'm becoming increasingly embarrassed about it, but I've been guilty of wandering through the Uffizi, the Louvre and other great art galleries, wondering what all the fuss is about. Paint, canvas, pencil, charcoal, ink, they're all tools of a trade that I've never been skilled in. As you can imagine, nobody ever wants to be my partner in Pictionary. I can't even draw a stick man with any degree of proportion. Art just isn't my thing. Yet, as the years pass, I'm beginning to see increasing beauty and symbolism in the artworks of many of the people who have a talent that I never will. St Paul's Cathedral in London houses one such piece, The Light of the World. Painted in the mid-19th century by William Holman Hunt, it is one of Christianity's most recognisable artworks, especially amongst Anglicans. My untrained and unappreciative eye is not exactly drawn to the painting. It looks very dark and sad to me. But I can identify some of Hunt's strong symbolism. Almost a century later, Warner Solman painted a more contemporary version of the same scene titled Christ at Heart's Door. Like Hunt, Solman portrayed Jesus knocking on the door of a person's heart. The glow coming from Jesus forms a heart shape on the door and wall. The absence of a visible door handle reminds the viewer that our heart's door can only be opened from within, by us, and that Jesus will never force his way inside. A closer inspection of Solomon's painting also reveals that the doorstop's trim doesn't allow the door to open outward. It can only open in. Jesus cannot open the door toward himself. Both Hunt and Solomon based their paintings on Revelation 3.20, which reads, Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them, and they with me. My heart's door can only be opened by me. Your heart's door can only be opened by you. We need to grasp the handle and pull the door, and Jesus, towards us. But so often we jam up the process by placing doorstops inside our hearts. A moment of revelation came for me when I realised that my personal doorstops were often the very blessings Jesus himself had given me. If Solomon was still with us, I would love to commission him to paint the scene on the other side of my door, inside my heart. For much of my life, a fair representation would have been a door only just visible behind a massive pile of stuff. I'm oh, sorry, blessings. You see, for many years I struggled to open my heart's door fully to Jesus, because just inside the door, my heart was filled with all the wonderful things with which he had blessed me. My heart was piled high with my nice homes, overseas travel, career benefits, leadership roles, speaking engagements, respect from my peers and more. Most of these things hold no real danger. But I had disregarded King David's advice from Psalm 62 verse 10. Though your riches increase, do not set your heart on them. I had also glossed over John's very clear directive from 1 John 2 15 and 16. Do not love the world, or anything in the world. If anyone loves the world, love for the Father is not in them. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, comes not from the Father, but from the world. 
And I had become like the elders of Israel in Ezekiel's day, who had set up their idols in their hearts and put before them that which causes them to stumble. It was physically and spiritually impossible for me to open my heart's door fully with so many blessings piled up inside. The blessings had become curses, and it was totally my fault. I couldn't blame God for giving me the blessings. I couldn't blame my family or friends for allowing me to pile them up. It was only my pride that led me to do it, and only my pride that needed to be controlled. When Jesus knocked on my door each morning, he probably heard a lot of scuffling and frenzied clambering inside. If he had peered through the keyhole, he would have seen a frustrated young businessman trying to clamber over a great pile of blessings to reach the handle. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and can climb over their mountain of blessings to reach the door handle and opens the door, I will come in. A humorous paraphrase? Not really. Six years prior to his death in 2011, Time magazine listed the Reverend John Stott as one of the 100 most influential people in the world. Stott had been a prominent evangelical leader and rector at All Souls Church in London. At the age of 17, he was challenged by the Reverend Eric Nash to contemplate the words of Revelation 3.20. In fear of repetition, here they are again. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with them and they with me. Stott later wrote of the impact this verse had on his life. Here, then, is the critical question which we have been leading up to. Have we ever opened our door to Christ? Have we ever invited him in? This was exactly the question which I had needed to have put to me. For, intellectually speaking, I had believed in Jesus all my life. On the other side of the door, I had regularly struggled to say my prayers through the keyhole. I had even pushed pennies under the door in a vain attempt to pacify him. I had been baptised, yes, and confirmed as well. I went to church, read my Bible, had high ideals, and tried to be good and do good. But all the time, often without realising it, I was holding Christ at arm's length and keeping him outside. I knew that to open the door might have momentous consequences. I am profoundly grateful to him for enabling me to open the door. Looking back now over more than 50 years, I realise that that simple step has changed the entire direction, course and quality of my life. I don't think it's a coincidence that Solomon's painting, which has opened my eyes to so much, was inspired by the very same verse that changed the life of John Stott and so many others. Let's read it in context. It's a message from Jesus, via an angel, to church members. To the angel of the church in Laodicea write, These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So... Because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth and do not need a thing. But you do not realise that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so you can become rich and white clothes to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so you can see. 
Those whom I love, I rebuke and discipline. So be earnest and repent. Here I am, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. That's me. I'm rich. I've acquired wealth and don't need a thing. I'm a Laodicean. Curiosity about my fiscal ancestors led me to research their lifestyles and to visit the ruins of their ancient city. On walking the recently unearthed streets and promenades of Laodicea, one thing became blindingly clear. Even after a millennium of weathering and neglect, Laodicea's wealth is still very visible. Its two amphitheatres, intricately carved marble homes, grandiose fountains and many churches and temples leave no question as to the wealth of its inhabitants. It even had multi-tiered, cascading health spas boasting caldariums, frigidariums and tepidariums, stunningly decorated rooms for hot, cold and lukewarm bathing 2,000 years ago. In the first century AD, Laodicea sat in a fertile valley at a crossroads of trade. This enabled it to acquire significant cash reserves from industries such as banking, textiles, medicine and tourism. The inhabitants became so rich that when their city was destroyed by a massive earthquake in 60 AD, they completely rebuilt it with their own cash. The Roman historian Tacitus made special mention of this incredible financial feat. The Laodiceans were rich, like me. No, in reality, I'm wretched, pitiful, poor, blind and naked. I need to clean up the pile of blessings that I've turned into curses. I need to take the blessings out of my heart so that I can open the door wide and let Jesus in. What about you?